Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Blue Carolina. I like the way you said Alkaline Trio that first time, because it almost sounded like you were from the Carolinas. It had a little drawl to it. Oh, from the Carolinas. Alkaline Trio. The Alkaline Trio. I do declare. Mm-hmm. That's how people and you do from, declare. That's how people from Blue Carolina talk. They talk like, uh, they talk like, what's that guy's name? The Kingfish? Huey Long! I'd... Is Blue Carolina where the Blue Man Group is from? Or where the Smurfs it... are from? Well, that was always the question that I had. Is this a song about Duke or is it about North Carolina? Wow. Damn. Yeah. Tar Heels or Blue Devils? Probably Blue Devils, right? Mm. This is the Alkaline Trio and this is our podcast. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, my name is Tim and uh, and this is my podcast and this is my friend David. Mm-hmm. He's joining us this week. Um for uh, another edition of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. David, as our special guest this week, um, what, do, what are your thoughts on on the Blue Devils? Uh, that's Coach K, right? Yeah. Uh, I saw his... Uh, Grant Hill. I, I don't have many thoughts, to be honest with you. I was never a big college basketball guy. I was. I like weirdly was very very into college basketball growing up. I um to say I wasn't into it is maybe an overstatement, but like I always enjoyed March Madness and always kind of followed that, but I never followed it like beyond that. Um so it, you know, it's it's essentially like being the sports fan who only watches the playoffs. Um so that was about my relationship. I liked Gonzaga. Gonzaga, yeah, they were a wild team. They were weird. Uh, John Stockton uh, alum. Mm-hmm. John Stockton is an alum. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing about Coach K, and this is something that I've known for a very, very long time, is that he uh, was an assistant coach to Robert Montgomery Knight. Mm. Be Bobby Knight, uh, coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, um, my one of my heroes growing up because my dad loved the goddamn Indiana Hoosiers. That's where he went to college. Mm, so that makes a lot more sense then. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, I grew up telling my friends like oh, the NBA. No, I don't know. I like for I like the forty-five second shot clock, but they got rid of it. I'm just I'm just born an old person. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, liking college basketball in that way is a very old person thing. I uh I mean, God bless it. I never got in too into it. I have nothing against it except for like the general exploitation of college athletes by the college sports system, but that's a it's a topic for another podcast. Yeah, you know, it didn't really take too long uh into like becoming a, a free thinking adult to just be like one, why aren't they like paying these kids to play? And also, if I have the choice to watch a game played by adults mm-hmm. or children, which one would I watch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one with the better players or the one with one good player? 
Yeah, I mean, that's usually what it boils down to. And that, I think that was always my kind of disinterest is just like, well, I'll just see all the people who are very good and in, in the pros someday. You know, it never felt like a thing I had to actively follow. Um, again, if you're if it's the thing people are into, like fucking cool. But yeah, my, my interest has never fell there. So that's all I've got on the Blue Devils. I thought it was Blue well, Demons, but that might be DePaul, right? That is DePaul. Um, yeah, Duke's Duke's early 90s team uh, was really something with Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, Thomas Hill, you know. The Hill Brothers, yes. The, the greats. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, this is our podcast, uh, Alkaline Trio. As you podcast our Alkaline um, Blue North Carolinas, um, we, we're here to talk about an Alkaline Trio song this week, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's a song off of Good Morning, which is, it's weird, I never really thought about this, but you have Good Morning, which has a red cover, and this song, Blue Carolina, uh is using the color blue mm-hmm. so and on the cover of the record their mm-hmm. their faces are bright white and and really this album is a symbolism for america and like their love um of you know just like things really intrinsic to the constitution like the postal service like they're they're really into the post office and you know mm-hmm. as was former drummer glenn porter really into the post office and then you know they were also really into just like old war helmets you know the, a lot of their big inspirations for this record come from american history yeah so anyway this is a song it's about um the dust bowl mm-hmm. and uh the the original title was roanoke um but you know dan dan's just got to get pulled out sometimes be like hey we're trying to like hit that international market mm-hmm. um for vagrant records this is the second record for Vagrant, Good Morning. This was produced by Jerry Finn. Great sounding record. Mm -hmm. And um, this is a song that I remember very distinctly hearing for the first time and thinking, whoa, two dance songs in a row. True. It's a big moment. Uh, Wild. I distinctly remember hearing this song as a kid, kind of coming in on the back half of the record and being like, ah, this song's kind of like slow and kind of like moody. And it is, but not really. Just kind of in comparison to uh, the music I was listening to at the time. Uh, It it fits Mm -hmm. those definitions. Um, (laughs) It's it's got some pep in it, uh, more than I think I realized as a child. Totally. It's it's definitely, I think that that plays into Dan's songs on, on the back half of the record being a little bit more summery and a little bit less, um, I don't know, uh, staring death in the face Mm -hmm. as Matt was on (laughs) first half of this record. But don't worry, Matt's coming in, coming in hot at the end. He's plenty blue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of blue on this record. Let me tell you. Lots of blue and lots of blues, but not really on this song. This is a very happy song. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is Dan's kind of love song era. You know, mm-hmm. this every thug needs a lady. If we never go inside, there's a lot of like uh, Dan's just having a nice time being in love songs here. And I was, I still remain very happy about how in love 
Dan is on this record. And I think we're obviously we haven't even gotten to the big one from this record, Every Thug Needs a Lady, which is like I mean, we've all we've all been there. Or we hope to be there one day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this song I I love the way that it starts out with those with that chord progression that moves pretty quickly mm-hmm. that dun, 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 which is such an obvious move but it works and they also like don't rely too heavily on it it's like you see where they're going and you see that walk down mm-hmm. but um i really like matt's kind of like not upstroke but he definitely yeah. picks up a little bit with his guitar to lead into the verse and Dan's just got a really, really soft and sweet delivery here. And I think that the song being so much about sunshine and kisses, <laughs> uh, it all, it all works out. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. I think it's, uh, this is a weird song in that it's Matt Skiba is doing all of the Matt Skiba things, but not in the Matt Skiba way, which I think is really interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of got the octave chords on like the back half of certain measures, um, but they're almost like running counterpoint to stuff. He's leaving a lot of space in between notes, which is really nice and I think really tasteful. This is um, much like Every Thug Needs a Lady. Like, I feel like this song could have also been played on an acoustic guitar and it would have not really lost anything. Um, mm. I think it's just it's got a really nice vibe and it's a song that, in my opinion... Um, or in my perception, I guess, uh, I felt always kind of got lost a little bit. Like I never really knew anyone who was like, man, I fucking love blue Carolina. And then over the past 10 years, I feel like this song has had like a redemption arc where now I think like they play this song pretty regularly. Like, it seems like there's a good reaction to the song. And I just kind of wonder, like, did I not know the people who were into it when this came out? Or like, was this like a sleeper hit for a while? Which I guess I don't know how the answer to. Yeah. I think that if I were to postulate, a guess it would be that this is a song that has, it's a workhorse dance song, right? I think that a lot of, a lot of dance um, songs that aren't in the, top echelon are the songs like this where you can kind of put them wherever you need them to be Mm -hmm. this one has a has a like you know later album vibe to it but you know if it's in a in a chunk of you know four songs if you're putting out your set list this song is is number three in that chunk of four literally anywhere you want it to be. I, You know, I, I think that's a really good observation because this does feel like the kind of song that could slot in anywhere. And I think mm-hmm. that is a unique thing to have where it has its own vibe. It doesn't feel like a second rate version of another song they already have or whatever. But it's also not trying to reinvent the wheel enough to feel really like one of their weirder, like almost ballady songs. It kind of just does fit in nicely where you could play this song, you know, after My Friend Peter or play the song after Time to Waste. And it doesn't feel that alien. Um, And I, I totally, you know, that's an interesting thing. And I think that's why 
Good Morning stands up so well is because I feel like there's a lot of songs like that on this record. Most definitely. Yeah, and this is one, too, that I think for... It's not, like you said, it's not reinventing the wheel, but you think about that pre-chorus, all the space, if I can hardly wait, and there's just this, like, anticipatory build... Sunny, your lips yeah. press it on my skin, and I think that it transitions really nicely into "Yes, I will." Yeah, and that like full, like slow down part mm. that they never really do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it has on the record a very like junjun, like kind of like vibe. Like it's a real kind mm-hmm. of like if this song was recorded anytime after 2015, that would be like a bass drop. And it would be fucking yeah, awful. Yeah, right. And it right. would be terrible. <laughs> so, like, thank God this song was written when it was. Because, like, the production is pretty heavy-handed. But thank God it has early 2000s production as opposed to modern production. Yeah, where that would feel totally. so fucking forced. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, like, a little bit... It's a little bit much. But I think that that's kind of the wonderful thing about records is that they can be both like very time and place and also very timeless Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know i also really like how that's the ending part of the song you know mm -hmm. it's a weird thing where they do it and i definitely think like you know i i think some people can look down on like those really like rigid like we are ending the song boom done things Mm -hmm. is being a little cheap or not very songwriterly but i think that's kind of bullshit like when you can really like just like stop something dead and have it feel complete i think that's actually like really impressive um because it's hard to do well and i think they do it well here and i think they make it feel unexpected and i think they make this song you know just feel feel unlike any other song on this record even though it has all the hallmarks of being alkaline trio and i think that's a tricky thing to do for any band it totally is, and I, I have to think that there was a lot of emphasis putting put into how to make those shifts from part to part really draw out, mm-hmm. um, you know, really build anticipation before things come back in, really get those stops just, like, down to a real tight stop. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like it's probably, and this is something that I guess I've taken into account over the course of doing this thing so often, but this seems like something that Derek probably was very, very helpful with to just make sure that like all of those parts like really did like the full um, dynamic tempo shifts that everybody wanted and needed for things to you know really go through a lot of different shifts in between parts but it's a basic verse pre-chorus chorus yeah i mean this is a song where if you dissect the parts of the song especially like the guitar part or whatever you're like okay there's not that much really happening but rhythmically is really what carries this one you know it, Mm -hmm. it is very stop starty there's a lot of little builds he does like you were saying in the after the i can't hardly wait parts you know like there's a lot of real small flourishes and i think it allows that like last chorus to feel 
very well done. You know, that kind of like bridge, but almost chorusy thing that just slips into it. Like his playing in there, I think is really tasteful and he's filling in little gaps and finding little ways to, you know, add something to what's going on. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's difficult with a song like this because this is one when I really think about it, like it could be such a mess in, in so many other executions of it. Like this is a song that really threads a needle more than I think I ever really realized. Yeah, because, I mean, you pointed out that then that utilizes space so well. And there's a lot of open chords in here, but there's also like something very smart about the fact that those octaves at the end are loose mm-hmm. in the way they are. You know, it's not something that he carries, you know, across it's just like those all kind of end a little bit before each measure enough time to just go like back into it and yeah just like utilizing that space and also not overplaying Mm -hmm. um you know when he is playing at a quicker pace pretty hard this song honestly i bet for matt is so much fun to play because i'm sure he gets to just like kind of like go with the rhythm and not worry about carrying everything he kind of just gets to sort of punch in yeah and and, you know i think it just speaks to like dan's compositions are so strong on this record where like Mm -hmm. i think sometimes you know the the constant complaint i have about later era material is i feel like the songs are almost too airtight and then they're just throwing shit on top of them production wise Whereas this feels very much like there was enough room and they, they spent the time exploring where that room was and like how to make it work properly. You know, I think that's a very difficult thing to do and I think they do it exceptionally well. Um, and I will also say that this has one of my favorite Dan lyrics in the, in the entire thing, in the entire band. Which one? Which one? I mean, you know, I, 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 uh, Oh, just blanked on the start of it. It's the, you know, all my favorite singers have stolen all of my best lines, which I remember hearing that the first time and being like, would you look at them go? That's such such a cute little thing he does. So fucking good. I think that that's got to be like, I bet you that the biggest reaction from this song live is always that line i'm sure and uh how could it not be really you know like it's it's the most just i I feel like that's such a relatable line because i think it speaks to like people relate to music because they're hearing something that moves them oftentimes because it feels like something they can't express so Mm. well you know um whether that be a lyric or a guitar part or whatever the fuck you know it takes many different forms um and i think hearing him say that it's just also so uncharacteristic of him where like that almost feels like a mat line that would have been on infirmary but like coupled with a rhyme that would have made it like eh. you know like it would have been a little too telegraphed for my taste mm-hmm. instead this is just kind of like Oh, that kind of came out of nowhere. It's like just so, and there's so much, it feels like the song kind of really opens up to just kind of like allow that line to hit very cleanly. It's a very interesting thing to me. It's yeah. It's something that when done right, 
and not overdone. It's it's the it's winking at the camera. Sure, know? sure. And I to um you know pull back from this a little bit. I think it's really interesting that when they did that um split with the smoking popes for the New Year's Eve show um mm-hmm. where uh they played all from here to infirmary. I forget what year this was. This was probably what 20 10 earlier i can't remember exactly but the smoking popes opened and they each covered each other and the smoking popes version of the song i think is really charming and really good and it's really pulled back and chill and again i think the delivery of that line from josh is such an interesting it's like such an interesting dichotomy knowing how influenced by the smoking popes like these dudes were too you know, it's a really kind of beautiful yeah. synergy where it's it's so it feels like this really kind of tacit acknowledgement of the give and take between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that Dan was pretty giddy. And I, I would I would think that that's something that's like, you know, on his list of like, yeah, that's one of the coolest things that's ever happened. Oh, I'm sure. Is, uh is Josh singing that line, that this song, you know, because, oh, I'm going to do a smoke, Smoking Pope's deep dive this week. I can feel it. You should. Uh, I will say that I love the other side of that seven inch, which is the Off My Mind cover, um, which is arguably one of my so, favorite Smoking Pope songs. And I think that version is just fantastic. Dude, that song is so fucking good. I'd hang out with you all the time if I didn't have to work. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. I know. Wait, why? What? Yeah, it's just... Things that are, like, so, like, weird and confusing, but, like, so charming. Well, it's, like, kind of always made sense to me that, like, they cover that song, and obviously Dan would sing it because his voice is much more in tune to it. But, like, mm-hmm. when you look at the Smoking Popes, who are a band, like, admittedly, I'm not as into as a lot of people, though I do enjoy them, uh, that, like, that line reads almost like such a Dan line, and then thinking about how, like, the only song I've ever heard Matt really talk about with them is Brand New Hairstyle, which is a fucking Matt song if I've ever heard one. Uh, also great. Mm-hmm. But that's, <laughs> yeah. that song is literally, like, the prototype for, like, a fucking cooking wine or snake oil tanker or something straight up. It's, uh, it's a minute of words and a minute and 20 seconds of instrumental. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, big time guitar solo versus, you know, Skiba's, uh, octaves. Yeah. But that was the first smoking Pope song that I heard. And I bought that record because I heard that the drummer of Alkaline Trio was in this band, The Smoking Popes. And hearing that song, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, I felt like a very smart person in that moment because I was a freshman in high school. And, you know, I think that I was still kind of calibrating my brain to understand, like, oh, so... I, you're saying that Rancid is influenced by The Clash? Mm-hmm. I don't hear that at all. But listening to <clears throat> that song, thinking like this is the band that influenced the Alkaline Trio, and then hearing that, I was like, this is just fucking nose over tail. Holy y- yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, 
pretty spot on, I would say. Um, what other thoughts do you have about this song, Tim? I, I just think that it's it's one of those songs that is it's something that happens on the best records where you you take it for granted and then you when you have the chance like there are times where it'll just hit you Mm -hmm. in a way that it hasn't hit you in a long time and then there are other times where you just realize like fuck like the economy of this song because it's doing things on the record that that don't happen Mm -hmm. with the way it utilizes space those stops um and the the type of momentum that it comes in with and then exits with to set up for donner party is a really really impressive feat when you consider the fact that these are just songs Mm. that come together it's not like it's planned out in that way but there is yeah it's it's one of those songs that's just like you don't really you don't think about it as much because it's very quietly doing the work mm-hmm. yeah i i agree with all of that and i also think to build off that point like i don't i've never read this band as the type of band who very consciously builds their records and and that sounds like a slight because it kind of is but like i i don't think they are like oh this record needs this type of song let's write it and i think when they try to do that i think it really shows Mm-hmm. And I think it just kind of has to naturally be this assemblage of good material sequenced in the right way. And I think that is when they are generally speaking their strongest. I think it's when they are trying to force things through that you can really tell. And I don't think, I, I think a song like this does not feel like they were trying to force something through. It just kind of very naturally appeared and happened to fit very well in the fact that like the good morning is far from like a super diverse record musically there's there's enough kind of different tones in their prism to make it work yeah i think that if you i mean we've we've mentioned it so many times but i don't think we've ever looked at it in in like greater terms but i mean consider the fact that this is some of matt's darkest material and some of dan's like very soft and sweetest material Mm -hmm. the fact that that's what's happening on this record is most likely not planned um but it happened that way yeah and that's pretty special and i think that this is one that like as we've talked more and more about this band you we've really i think picked up on the fact that Dan's Dan's like sharpening of his tools as a songwriter becomes very, very apparent in songs like this, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, yeah, there's nothing that's structurally that different from anything else that he did before or like does on this record. But the fact that it like, moves in different ways and it goes about getting uh from point a to point b in a way that differs from just 
fast part to fast part to fast part mm-hmm. or mid tempo mm-hmm. to mid tempo like the the amount of sonic differences in here show somebody who's putting a lot of work and thought into okay how do i how do i differentiate this one from the one before it and the next one that i have on the record yeah absolutely absolutely and i think you know it's just really nice when that stuff feels effortless where it's like they're getting better they're kind of intuitively knowing how to do these things and make them happen and i think that's to me i think that comes from a band that plays together and i think you know that's the big fault of them in the modern era is like they're all in different places they don't really collaborate in that way and i don't think they even hunker down to write in that way and you know obviously at mm-hmm. this point i think matt had moved to california but i'm sure a lot of these songs were kicking around before that happened and i think they were still having that residual energy to make that stuff happen and i think you know the the reason bands work is because they work together towards a goal you know, mm-hmm. it's I, I don't think a, a great film has ever been made where none of the actors were in the same room, you know, and I think right. writing songs should be viewed the same way, but uh, unfortunately isn't always. Yeah. And I think that it's I think that it speaks to Dan's um, Dan's focus for what he the work that he does that kind of goes unnoticed which is a very bass player Mm -hmm. uh thing is there's so much more to being a good bass player and in dan's situation being the guy who writes one third of the songs um and dan's songs like don't have the same type of magnetism that matt no matt's have so like he's he's doing he's gotta like push himself to like make make these songs like do a lot of things that like really really help to accentuate like what matt has and like what the entire package of this record is because if it's just if it's just continental and if it's just all on black every you know tracks one through 12 kind of get boring totally totally and i mean i definitely love a lot of records that do one thing for 40 minutes and then end you know um Mm. but i definitely think that was never really their vibe yeah and i think that it's like they definitely had to um figure out how to like continue the momentum and they really do successfully in a lot of different ways um i think matt's songs during this era are some of his best and dan's like contributions like really do they go they get past the point of just being like yeah he's the guy that sings every third song Mm -hmm. every fourth song um his songs are so good and then they're also like quietly doing a lot of work absolutely um what do you give this song a four and a four 4.25 i mean i'm giving it a four yeah i feel it feels like it's underrating it's not like yeah not uh, it's not my it's probably not in my top 
35 no favorite songs me neither but i will also say i think it it does that thing we were talking about in a live set really well where unlike a lot of other songs that like i really love you know or maybe like or even ones below it there this song never comes up and i'm like eh. you know like i it's just i'm kind of always in the mood for it it just works it just does its thing and by virtue of that that can't be a five-star song because mm-hmm. there's you know there's no like whoa there's no attention grabbing it's just kind of perfectly there and it's expertly mm-hmm. done and i think that's good enough you know it's uh it is such i think it's such a necessary thing to have a song on your record where the best part is the last line of the second verse mm-hmm. oh that's something to think about oh boy um I'm going to change my rating. It's a 4.20. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and before you, before you lead us out, as you do. Before I weed us out? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm going to have to talk because he's going to do this for about eight minutes. Um, oh, we got a lot to plug this week. First of all, thank you so much to our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were uh, for voting this week. Thank you for picking this song. You should do it again uh, next week, guys and gals yeah. and dolls and I'm out of uh, references. Way to be way to be way heteronormative, dude. Welcome to fucking 2020. Uh, uh, there are only two God, genders, I, Garfield and Normal. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash as you were. Uh, that's the like the coolest thing that you could ever do is to sign up for that and to help us buy groceries and in exchange for that we let you vote on the songs when we remember Mm -hmm. that uh and we're we're probably going to continue to do that for the next few weeks because like we love our fam we love the fam yeah yeah who doesn't love the fam i want them to hear us talk about the songs they want to hear us talk about that sounds much more fun to me oh so all right i'm having a little bit too much fun you you have something else that uh, i think is worth sharing uh i wanted to plug a podcast we talked about last week which is unscripted moments a broadcast podcast about propaganda propaganda whoever pick your choice um i was on that uh this past week uh had a fun talking to them about a song by a very different kind of band went for a very long time longer than we almost ever go here i wonder why that is um so if you're interested and you want to hear more talking, go listen to that. And you also celebrated a pretty big milestone over on your podcast with our friend Brendan. Yeah, he followed me on Twitter, uh, which was pretty, pretty exciting. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Um, everyone listen to Skeleton Coast by the Lawrence Arms um, and listen to Road to the Skeleton Coast um, starring me um, and, and Brendan but mostly me also um this week we will be debuting uh, a new podcast called um life's work podcast about laura stevenson's sit resist laura stevenson is one of the best songwriters on the planet earth and her second record sit resist is being reissued by don giovanni records and this week we debuted the first episode of a series about the record Sit Resist. Great record. It Love it, dearly. Features, 
features me, David, and I have have both written a lot of words about Laura Stevenson. Um, mine were better, but David tried. And um, yeah, this uh, this podcast is something that's a little bit different for me. It's more of a narrative. Um, it features conversations with Laura, her partner Mike Campbell, who played in the band Latterman, and plays in with Tom Petty, Cans, yeah, and and he also wrote Boys of Summer. Um, also, uh, Chris Gethard is on the show this week on the debut. Uh, Jeff Rosenstock will be on in the future. Lucy Dacus, uh, Stevie Knight, the adult mom, and yeah, I'm really excited about that. If you all haven't heard. Laura Stevenson before. Whew. Have fun. You just found your favorite new songwriter. She's the best. Truly. So, yeah. And uh, we'll be back here next week talking about another Alkaline Trio song. And it's going to be awesome. I'm so looking forward to that. Hell yeah. yeah. So, we'll be back with it next week. Thanks, Bubba. And there's song in my head that burns so good I'm not done with